this morning. Um, let's go ahead and stand up. Uh, let's see. Kyle, would you open us in a short prayer, and then Jake's going to lead us in a song of worship this morning. Father, thank you so much that we get together with these guys um, to learn about you and fellowship with one another. Please bless our time. Please bless Matt as he brings us the word. Um, and bless us the rest of the day. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is... the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand, he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Jesus. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Jesus, we thank you that you are. Bless you, God. Our rock, you are our foundation. Your rule for faultless to stand before God. Mm-hmm. Jesus, we dress in righteousness. Mm-hmm. Be here this morning. Mm-hmm. Speak to our hearts. Lord, turn our hearts to you. We're led by your spirit, led by your word. So be here tonight, or this morning, and bless, bless us. Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Um, so a lot is going on in the church right now. I wanted to just touch base on a couple of things before we study the word together. Um, Really exciting time of year, very busy for a lot of people, especially with kids and school. Um, But we have our fast coming up, so I wanted to just tee everybody off on that to begin. That'll be, and Bill, correct me if I'm wrong, but we'll start the 15th, and it will run from the 15th to the 18th, okay? So that's Wednesday the 15th to the 18th, that's... Yeah, yeah, you're right. 
Yeah. Yeah. So be preparing for that. Um, and again, uh, so the fast is a time for us to um, uh, set our hearts on the Lord and seek Him, uh, seek His face for the church, for our, our lives, for our family's lives. And, um, you know, uh, it's, an, it's a time for us to hear from the Lord, too. Okay? So we should be entering into the fast expecting to hear from God. And uh, we believe that the success, if you want to put it that way, or the health, uh, the purpose, the vision of our church is 100% dependent upon the Word of God and Him speaking to us and empowering what we do. And so it was a very critical time for us to hear, actually hear from God. Uh, And so you have something to steward over the fast time. Uh, God has uh, built you into this church. He's made you a man of God. uh, And He wants to speak to you on behalf of the people of God. Okay, So don't go in apathetically and don't go in with fear but go in with a strong desire to, to hear from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, also, um, we had a very good um, teaching from last Saturday night uh, that kind of plays into vision or mission. Um, Dad talked about Paul and Timothy and the relationship that they had uh, and... Uh, He talked about the fact that we are a church-planting church. Uh, And that's just something about the vision of who we are uh, as a body. The fact that we are a church-planting church provides a really strong sense of mission and vision. And so you should be living your life, you should be building your life into this vision of a community of people uh, that are, yes, making disciples... Um, yes, building families, yes, building wealth, but uh, at the core of what we're doing, we want to build more communities. Uh, we want to replicate uh, not just individuals, but communities of people that love Jesus, that are building the kingdom of God in the earth. Okay, And so because God made you a man uh, when you were born, uh, you have this role of leadership that he has called you to, to pursue. And it's noble. Uh, It's worthy. It's powerful. It's awesome. Uh, But it's not something to be taken lightly. And so one of the things we talked about is just the need for a particular type of leader, which is the pastor leadership role, and how we should be praying and crying out to God to give us some pastors. Okay, Uh, And so just wanted to underline, underline that again. Uh, this morning, because that's probably something pretty important as we move into the fast. Amen. Any thoughts about that from the teaching before we move on? All right. We'll have a time at the end to um, chat about those things, too. All right, cool. So I wanted to get into the Word this morning. Um, You may have noticed that at the end of the teaching... Uh, Dad didn't get into, <laughs> I think, about the second half of his teaching. Um, back in the day, uh, we would have sat for the whole thing, uh, but Dad was kind to us all and just gave us half of his teaching. I remember growing up being there for teachings like that, that we got the whole teaching, and it was long. 
um, he's not here to defend himself. So, um, but this morning I wanted to tackle those scriptures that he didn't get to, uh, and I, I need to apologize to Elder Tom. Uh, I asked him, you know, you know, which one of those verses uh, was he most interested in, and he referenced probably the best verse on the Word of God. Uh, in the letters to Timothy, which is in the second book to Timothy. So I got started, and I couldn't get back to the first book of Timothy. So, sorry. <laughs> the bet, we're not even getting the best verse on the Word of God this morning. Uh, but primarily, I'm going to take four verses from First Timothy that have to do with the Word of God, and we can look at them together. Everyone here, no one here is new, and so this will be kind of like a Bible study. So if you want to interject, feel free to. But... Obviously, you know, what Dad said, one of the major themes in the book of Timothy, uh, both of the letters, is this idea of the Word of God and how the man of God should interact with the Word of God. It's, it's really critical to who we are uh, as human beings, but as men. Uh, and, right, the context for these verses is we got this mature, it seems like it's not even enough to, to, to describe who Paul was, but he was a mature man of God, okay? And he brought this younger man, Timothy, alongside him. And when you look at these letters, I mean, you gotta, you got to praise the Lord for the fact that we have these letters because you got instructions going from a man of God to a younger man of God and how to be a man of God. And, and not just, well, and to be a leader in the household of God. So you see that. So Timothy is this young man who's receiving instruction from uh, someone who has experienced, who's cultivated the word of God in his heart, he is passing it on uh, to Timothy. And so one of the this thing that we see is that when, when Paul decides this is what he wants to share with Timothy, one of the strongest themes, one of the most touched upon ideas is how should Timothy be interacting and engaging in the word of God? That should key you off. If you want to be a man of God, if you want to be a leader in the community, the people of God, you need to be engaged in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, so let's look at some of these. If you've got your Bible, um, the first one is going to be 1-7. So I'll read it. 1 Timothy 1-7. Kenton is going to be teaching tonight at church, and he'll be t- talking about doctrine. But you're actually going to notice that the Word of God and doctrine are kind of side-by-side side in a lot of these verses that I read. So, 1 Timothy 1.7, desiring, as the ESV, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So, it says, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So here we got uh, teachers of the law. This is the idea of the Word of God here. It's a specific area of the Word of God, but it is the Word of God nonetheless. And uh, the key idea here is understanding. This idea of understanding the Word of God. Um, There's something, I think, very attractive to men like you and me in talking about the Word of God and specifically to teach other people about the Word of God. 
and to make confident assertions about the Word of God. By raise of hands, who here has heard another man make a confident assertion about the Word of God? You've heard that? You've heard another man do that? Have you ever caught yourself doing that? Making confident assertions about the Word of God? Matt, who have you seen? No. I make no confidence. I can tell. Um, the Greek word is nomodidoskolos. There's the new Greek word for Who's heard that word before? Nomodidoskolos. Nomodi doskalos. That's the best I can do. Uh, this is, the, this is the, the word for that teachers of the law. It is sometimes translated rabbis or doctors of the law. So we have a couple doctors here. Uh, or teachers of the law, which is how it is interpreted here. Teachers of the law. Um, so yeah, apparently there were some guys there in the community uh, that were fitting into this category. Teachers of the law. And they did not understand the law, but they were teaching it. So first, I just want to say this. This desire in you, probably, uh, to teach, um, it reflects something that's really good about you. This is something about uh, um, any man that God has put into you, is this desire to kind of teach other people about things that you know. Uh, one of the amazing things, relational capacities of men is that God has made it possible uh, for us to really understand something, okay? There's things that each, pe- you know, each one of you, you have a pretty good grasp of, just maybe through school, through experience, through life, and you can look at something, maybe it's a car, and you know, Ron Schwartz can tell you, like, I don't know what an alternator does, but Ron could tell me what an alternator does, because he knows it. He's probably ripped one apart, he's seen the insides of it, he knows everything about it, uh, and he can explain it um, to other people. Um, this is something that is really a reflection of the character of God. Something about this process of understanding something and then passing that knowledge on to another human being. Very significant, very cool, uh, uh, neat thing. So, you know, we got a group of guys that are about... Caleb, how old are you? Nine. We got a group of guys that probably range from about six to nine. Okay, and I I loved being a, that age. Um, I kind of still wish I was. And they have these conversations now, and I have noticed because I like to kind of be in them sometimes. One of the one of the things that the guys that that age right now like to talk about are animals. Okay, all kinds of different animals, and you should just listen in to some of these conversations. We have some of the leading experts on animals and animal strength specifically, animal speed, animal endurance, animal, like, the poisonous capacities of animals. <laughs> and there are confident assertions made in these conversations about which animal could defeat another animal. Um, and it's awesome. Uh, and I remember the other day... Uh, <laughs> I was at the house, and Tucker came up to me, and he's like, Dad, can you, can you just like tell me something about an animal? 
<laughs> just, he didn't care what it was. He just wanted to know something about an animal. He, and he, and he, it wasn't just like, he didn't hide it. He was like, because I want to go tell all the other guys something about an animal. <laughs> he didn't say he wanted to make a confident assertion, but that's what he wanted to do. Uh, likewise, one of the most, I mean, uh, what, one of the coolest things about being a dad, I think, is there's these moments you'll have where you're with one of your sons, he's reading a cer- certain age, and there's stuff that he needs to know about being that age. And there's a really, just a precious, kind of unique moment when you, it's just you and your son, nobody else, there's no other pretense, no other reason for doing this other than, as a father, there's certain things that you know about life. And you can communicate that to your son, and he hears it, and he grabs it, and he can run with it and take that wisdom and that understanding of that knowledge uh, and really be fruitful in life because of it. It's really just like a precious moment, a precious thing um, that you can do. Okay, so big picture, this capacity to transfer information uh, and knowledge, really important. But as Paul points out, uh, there's a major pitfall in this, okay? Uh, there's a major significant pitfall in this capacity within man that comes from our sin uh, and our separation from God. And he points out, Paul points out that in this community, people were doing this without knowledge. Okay? They were doing this without understanding what they were talking about. So they were conveying information about the scriptures and knowledge about doctrine to other people with a false understanding about what they were talking about, okay? Anybody ever seen that happen? Confident assertions that were false, okay? This is not something that was just going on in the past, but it's going on today, and likely it's going on in this community right here as well. Uh, so, uh, well, I'll let you guys throw out some ideas. You know, why does that happen? Any thoughts about fundamentally why that happens? Why men share false Pride, okay, that's one of the first ones that I thought of. Okay, so, what's that? Ignorance. Ignorance, just pure ignorance, yeah. Yeah. What else? What? Insecurity. Insecurity, yeah. The darker side is a desire to manipulate other people. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Even knowing that you don't know, or even knowing that you don't have the knowledge, you still communicate, yeah. Sometimes people hear things from other people or from another teaching and they don't really get into the Word and find out it's true. Yeah. 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 Laziness. Laziness. Social pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, I kind of came up with two different categories. One is the pride side and one is the ignorant side. I mean, there's you guys are touching a lot of the other things. But on one hand, you can just have guys that just... They don't want to take the time to study the Word of God, to understand what it means. Uh, And then when they get amongst other people, they want to talk and share. They have this capacity, this image of God inside of them to do this thing. And so then they just blurt things out. So it's not necessarily, uh, well, it's it's not culpable in an evil way, I don't think. Uh, But it's culpable in a sense of just this person doesn't have the discipline uh, and the commitment and really the care of the Word of God. Second one uh, is the pride side. And I think there is a, there is a recognition, right, in any, in any social group, 
when you can share something that's significant, important, that people look at you, okay? This kind of person, you, you can tell it's pride, it's not love that, that, that motivates why they're sharing with other people, okay? What's motivating them is their self, right? Wanting to achieve certain status, wanting to receive certain relational feedback from other people, and so they share these things, okay? The man of God, right, is a man that when he shares things, he's not thinking about himself when he shares. He's thinking about the person that is receiving the knowledge, okay? And so two things. If you have a care for the Word of God and you care for other people, it drives you to ensuring, to being certain that the things that you share about the Word of God to other people are accurate, are true, and are holy, and are full of knowledge, okay? This is what Paul is pointing out here. And what does he say? What does he say? Does anybody recall what he says happens when people share the Word of God without knowledge? Actually, this list of things happens. He says, it leads to vain discussions, it leads to irreverent babble, and then it leads to ungodliness, and even in the end, it can lead to upset the faith of some. Okay, so uh, in Second Timothy, we'll go a little bit into Second Timothy two fifteen. It says, "Study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." So, there is a, there is a study uh, and an intellectual engagement with the Word of God that takes place to get you to the place where you understand what the Word of God means. There is a meaning, and then you can then convey that to other people. I want to move on, but we don't... You ever been in a meeting where people are sharing about the Word of God with each other. This is kind of a... <laughs> this is an evangelical dynamic. I think we can admit this about ourselves. Because there are often times in that room where people says, this verse makes me feel like X. This is my thoughts on this verse. Okay? Uh, we're not... I mean, okay... We're not interested, I'm not interested anyways, in some random person's thoughts. All right, now I love people, and I, there's another teaching we can talk about loving other people, but I'm not interested in what some random guy's feelings are about a verse. I'm interested in what the Word of God says. The power of the Word of God is in the Word of God. It's not in some dude's perspective of what the Word of God is. Now, let's just say this too. The power of the Word of God is when it is invested in a man's heart and it becomes part of him and he communicates it to somebody else. There is a cooperation between the individual and the eternal Word of God. And when those come together, it's power. Uh, But there is a meaning and, and an understanding of the Word of God 
that only comes through study and wisdom and understanding. That's what we want to transfer to one another. Amen? All right, that's the first one. You need to be a student of the Word so that you can intellectually understand the meaning of the Word of God. All right, you ready for the next one? Okay. Wait, are you ready for the next verse? Okay, one person. Okay. First Timothy 4, verses 4 through 5. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. i read it again. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. I had a lot of trouble with this one because I like, didn't understand it at first. But I've I been thinking about it. I think I've wrapped my mind around it. <laughs> this might be one of those situations where someone's making a confident assertion without knowledge. But stick with me on the interpretation. So we need a little bit of context here on this one. What we're talking about is in the, in the previous section, there's certain people that were saying, hey, we don't need to eat food and we don't need to have sex anymore. That's oversimplification. But there was this idea in the church uh, at the time. It's similar to Gnosticism, but it's really this idea that, that the flesh, anything that we engage in in the flesh is evil. Uh, like the pleasures and stuff we get from life, those are evil. Okay? And so being redeemed, you know, members of the community of God, being the spiritual Christian people that we are, we need to avoid those things. So we need to avoid sex and we need to avoid food because it leads to lust and gluttony and all those things. And really, once you become once you become connected to God, your spirit comes alive and all that matters is your spirit. Okay? Everybody follow that what I was just kind of talking about. You've heard of that before. Well Paul comes back and he says no. And this verse he says, no, that's not true. Okay? Uh, God created the world uh, and the things that are in the world and he created them with good and holy purpose, okay? And so, God's call on the redeemed man of God, uh, the one who is now a spiritual, alive human being, is not to abstain from those things. That's not what the Word of God teaches. We're not supposed to abstain from those, okay? That's not a holy way of living, is this asceticism, right? Here's a pretty famous line from mere Christianity. There is no good trying to... uh, All right, there's no good trying to be more spiritual than God. God never meant man to be a purely spiritual creature. This is why he uses material things like bread and wine to put new life into us. We may think this is rather rude and unspiritual, but God does not. He invented eating. He likes matter. He invented it. Okay? So you get the, the idea here? Now, there, there's a misapplication. I want to talk about the misapplication of this first, right? A lot of you know that our General Assembly is really battling with this idea of legalizing marijuana. Okay? Ken and I talked about our legislature yesterday. 
Uh, so, so there's this idea that it creates all kinds of revenue. And one of these arguments that I always hear, you've probably heard it too. It's in a Ben Harper song, but it says, if something comes from the ground, God made it, and it's holy. All right? So marijuana coming from the ground, right, is holy. God made it, so we need to legalize it. Uh, and it, what? <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting there. All right. So there's this idea that so if God, you know, made it, we can engage in it because it's holy because He made it. But look back at the verse that we just read. Paul does say that the things that God made are holy, but he adds something to it. Right? What does he say? Paul says that everything was that was created by God is good, but he says, but it was it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So talking about these things like sex, uh, like work, like food. Yeah, God created them holy, but they are made holy as the man of God applies the word of God to those things. That makes sense? So here's the point. It's the word of God that makes sex holy, food holy, work holy, every physical thing that you interact with. It's the word of God that makes that holy. Okay? The Word of God is not limited to the spiritual realm, okay? So when we think about the Word of God, like there's certain people that think that the Bible is kind of like set apart for, you know, this spiritual activity that I'm involved in, helping me get to heaven, and having like good spiritual ideas, right? We know that's not true. That's specifically not true. The purpose, yes, is spiritual, but it is also for the man of God to take the Word of God and to sanctify creation through the, his application with knowledge of the Word of God in the earth. Amen? So we believe, right, that the Word of God should instruct everything that we do, right? To instruct the way that I engage in media, uh, to instruct the way that I go fishing, uh, to instruct the way that I engage with my friends, to instruct the way that I dig a hole. Literally, we make everything sanctified. We make everything holy when we apply the Word of God to it. Kenton probably has some awesome ways to talk about that uh, in terms of the way that we make actual creation holy by the way that we can serve uh, and interact with the resource that God has given us. You get that? You have some things that you're engaged in your life. Uh, that the Word of God is meant to be taken, understood, and applied in that area to make it holy. Okay? Amen? Amen. We make things holy by the Word of God. Amen. All right, next one. Uh, It's right there. A lot of these, this whole section in chapter 4 is full of stuff on the Word of God. Uh, So this one's 1 Timothy 4. 6 through 7. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith. So here it says, being trained in the words of the faith. I think we had... We have the Word of God. We have teachers of the law. 
and the word of faith. These are the kind of the three references so far to the scripture, the word of God. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you followed. Seven, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Okay, uh, what I want to key in here is this idea of being trained. The man of God is trained in the words of faith, or the man of God is trained in the word of God. So the first one was knowledge. The second one is that knowledge is to be applied to our everyday life, to creation. And the third one is kind of internal. It's the man of God needs to be trained by the word of God. Uh, so this is a little bit misleading in the ESV. You could take this the wrong way. It says, trained in the words of faith. And when the first time I thought about it, I kind of thought, because I'm kind of combative a little bit, uh, this phrase could communicate to you uh, that you're to be trained in using the words of faith. Does that make sense? Like, like you might be trained in using karate. Uh, this idea that you have some type of like mastery over the words of God so that when you are talking to other people or engaged in a debate about reformed theology, you've got the verses to throw and like use when you need to. Or, uh, or even it could mean something, I mean, that's kind of a negative connotation, but it could mean when you're counseling somebody, you've got the word of God memorized so that you can take out the right verse and use it in somebody's life how it needs to be used. Okay? Uh, that's not what we're talking about here. <clears throat> the actual word here for trained is intrepho, which means to nourish up, or to learn, or to educate, or to form the mind, or as we see in the ESV, to train, to be trained. So the reality of this idea here in this verse, when Paul is talking about Timothy and being a man of God, he's saying you need to be trained by the Word of God. The Word of God needs to affect you. It needs to engage you in a certain way, that it forms your mind, it nourishes you, and it trains you in a certain way of godliness. Does that make sense? You don't, you, don't, uh, you don't have mastery over the Word of God. The Word of God, to some degree, it masters you. It teaches you. Okay? The King James Version uses the nourishment. It says that the man of God is nourished up in the words of faith. Okay, a really important point. Uh, we can get a little better understanding of this in the context of this verse, right? Because Paul then goes on to be to compare being trained in the Word of God to physical exercise or training your physical body. Right? Uh, most of us here are pretty familiar. <laughs> well, at least at one time, we're familiar with training our bodies. Everyone here is probably engaged with some, some sort of physical exercise, right? Maybe you weightlift, maybe you hit baseballs, maybe you jog, uh, maybe you hunt, maybe you walk, things like this, training our body, okay? 
Uh, the idea behind physical exercise, okay, is that over time you repeat physical activity in order to be able to accomplish, well, first in order to make your body healthy and strong, and then in order to be able to accomplish some kind of physical activity or feat, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you get in a batting cage with a baseball bat and hit balls so that you can go out on a field and lead the Texas Rangers to a World Series championship. Does anybody root? No one roots for the Texas Rangers. There's nothing there. Um, all right. There's all, all uh, when you think about the various kinds of, we've got all kinds of people in here that do different kinds of physical activities. All of that shares some things in common. So I wanted to open up the floor here. When you think of physical exercise or, or, or bodily training, what do, you, what do you think of? What are some of the dynamics that we know are true about physical exercise? When people throw some stuff out. Needs to be daily. Needs to be daily. Paul, Paul's right. It profiteth little. Profiteth little. <laughs> true. Needs to be daily, okay? Needs to be, or consistency. Is a way to put that. Other ideas about physical exercise. Discipline. Discipline. It requires discipline. It doesn't just happen, right? You don't just find yourself jogging on a you know 45 degree morning. What else? Things about physical exercise. Some other ideas. Focused. Focused. Yep. What's that? It strengthens you. There's a great one. Yeah, it strengthens you. Over time, it strengthens you. No pain, no gain. This is the biggest one. It's horrible. Nobody likes it. No, it's not fun. Nobody wants to do it. Yeah. You feel great after you've done it. Yeah, for some people. What's that? It clears your head. Yeah. What else? What's it do to your muscles? It destroys them, right? No, this is exactly what I wanted to hear. What happens when you exercise? It destroys your muscles, but then over time, it rebuilds it back up, right? Yeah, stronger, more uh, healthier, more trained and focused for the work that you want your body to accomplish. Uh, And I don't know how many basketball players there are, uh, but if you, if you watch uh, basketball, specifically the NBA, there's oftentimes you'll have these guys that come up that have a s- certain shot, uh, a form that they use to shoot. And uh, when they get in the NBA, it doesn't translate. It's not as easy as it was in college, and they're not as successful with it. And so they have to have hire somebody to deconstruct their shot. They have to totally forget about how they've shot before, and then they learn a proper mechanism to shoot the ball. Okay, um, right? All of these things uh, really can be applied to our training in the Word of God. All these things that you've mentioned, uh, consistency. Uh, if you want to be trained, shaped, formed uh, by the Word of God, it requires daily engagement in the Word of God, consistent uh, engagement uh, in the Word of God. Um, right? It's not fun. It takes discipline, right? This is not the idea of like, you know, just 
falling into attraction with the Word of God and being enamored with it and letting that sustain your engagement with it. Uh, it requires uh, commitment uh, and discipline to engage in. Okay? Um, and um, this idea that it really does break you down. It really does break down the ideas and the, and the spiritual and the uh, emotional and the mental and uh, everything about your soul. It breaks those, da- uh, those, those, those patterns and habits of thinking and, and doing that are in your life. It breaks those down, and as you engage in it over time, it rebuilds them. And what does Paul say? What does it result in? It results in godliness. When you train yourself in the Word of God, it doesn't, it doesn't just make you a person who can master the Word of God and know it and tell other people about it. It shapes what comes out of you, the kind of person that you are, the way that you react to your wife when you get frustrated. It shapes that. It shapes the way that you are able to sacrifice uh, your own life, your own desires to lay your life down for a disciple. It shapes the way that you are, that you see somebody in the world that doesn't know God uh, and you're attracted to them to share the gospel with them. Okay? It causes those things to happen inside as you, of you uh, as you train in those things. Okay? All right, so that's number three, being trained uh, in the Word of God. As we train our, our, our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our souls, in these words that are on pages, it transforms the way that we live and the way that we act. All right, our last one, 1 Timothy 4.13. 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I come, devote yourself, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. So, um, the word here is scripture, and the idea is public reading. I'm going to expand on this idea of public reading. Um, I don't know exactly, specifically, what Paul was talking about. He may have been talking about, Timothy, you need to read the Bible when your church gets together. But I want to take that idea and kind of, to kind of build out on it a little bit. But here's the underlying idea, is that, the, the, that our engagement in the Word of God... Right? It needs understanding. It needs to take its shape in creation. And we need to be trained internally by the Word of God. But it's not meant to be isolated. Our interaction with the Word of God isn't just supposed to be personal between me and God and the words on the page. There is a altogether different and unique and powerful manifestation of the Word of God when it is discussed proclaimed, taught, engaged in publicly. And specifically, I, I believe that when the Word of God is, is talked about, when it is shared publicly in a community of people that are willing to stay together for a long period of time, okay? There's a scenario where just a random group of people come together, they read the Word of God together, it's awesome. God shows up and He's there. There is another stage, I think, that when people are committed to doing that very thing, to discussing, to engaging publicly the Word of God over 40 years, 
There is a different dynamic that occurs. There is a different revelation. There is a different power to what the Word of God can do and express and see come to shape in a group of people that are willing to do that. Okay? It's part of the experiment of what we're doing as a church. We're committing ourselves to that. So, one, the Word of God is just simply meant to be read out loud, spoken, rather than just read in our brains together. There's something spiritually significant when we speak the words of God audibly. Okay? This is a spiritual reality. Here's a couple of verses, but it's all over the Bible. You'll see examples of this, right? In Romans 10.9, it says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Right? It says, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 8.16, we saw this throughout Jesus' ministry. How did Jesus cast out demons? He did it with a word. Jesus cast out demons with a word. With the, it says, actually, with His word. Okay, so there's three actors there. One, when, when I confess the Word of God, it causes something to happen in my heart, right? It causes something to happen to me. When I speak the Word of God, it can make demons, it can make spiritual forces flee. And there was a possessed person too, right? There was an individual that was possessed by the demon when I speak the word of God, it can free an individual. So I'm not going to go real deep in this, but the spoken word of God, the declared word of God is powerful right. and it's unique. Uh, we live in a modern society that wants to distill everything down to like some kind of scientific understanding. That what I'm talking about there, I'm going to propose, is that it transcends that naturalistic description of what goes on. There's something powerful in the Word of God when we speak it. Um, when we read it aloud together, this, is, this should be pretty obvious, but like, what's going on right now in this room? Every single man in this room, well, some of us are not, but most of us, uh, is thinking about the Word of God right now. We are collectively thinking about the Word of God right now. When you leave, you're going to have remnants some more than others, of the idea of the Word of God in your head. There is a unifying principle. God desires us to walk in unity. There is a unifying thing that occurs when we read the Word of God together. It's like it sets us all on the same track together, and we're moving in a certain direction together. That's important. There is value, there is power in that when men set themselves arm in arm together about the truth of the gospel. All right, we should also talk about it together. Um, and we need, you just, we just, I mean, I'm just going to admit this. Uh, I want to share just, share just a real quick st- story about Matt, Matt uh, Hellman. I don't remember this really well. I didn't even put it in my notes. But I remember there was one time when, uh, so I ran the UCF Thursday night worship meetings for a long time. And I still am this way. I was this way more then. I was kind of sporadic in the way that I led the meetings. If I felt like I had something I wanted to say. And those meetings were worship. They were kind of spirit-filled. I mean, we were just loving on the Lord. And people would get up and say things. Uh, and this is a confident assertion moment. And I got up there. And I think I shared something for Corinthians. And it was like, I, was trying to, I wanted to encourage everyone to pursue their spiritual gifts. And I read that, or I didn't read it, but I kind of quoted the section of Scripture in 1 Corinthians. It says, when you come together, one of you has a 
prophecy. One of you has a uh, healing. One of you has a word of wisdom. And I was like, guys, this is true. Well, <laughs> so if you're familiar with that section of Scripture, the context of that section of Scripture, and Matt informed me of this afterwards, he said, hey, Matt, uh, that section of Scripture that you referenced, Paul was criticizing them for being chaotic in their church meetings and everybody having something to do that wasn't focused on the vision of what was supposed to go on. So here I was encouraging everybody to do something that Paul was specifically telling him not to do. So he shared that with me, and uh, I don't know how I responded. I may have just brushed him off, but he was right. I was wrong. The point is, uh, every single person here, the perspectives that you have on the Word of God, there are places where they're inaccurate. And maybe, this is a better way to say it, they're incomplete. Okay? There's things that you don't see about the Word of God. When you get together with other men of God, and you talk about the Word of God, you reveal what you're thinking about the Word of God, there's two things that can happen there. One... It can open light up in another person's life to something they haven't thought about or seen before. Number two, it can expose an error in your thinking about the Word of God. And those guys around you, if they have strength, they will communicate that to you and say, hey, listen, uh, that's wrong. You need to abandon that way of thinking. Uh, and you should you know, take a day or two and then come back and say, you're right. All right, so, and then this, uh, this applies similarly with we need to study the Word of God together. We need to get together and not just talk about it, but engage in, in uh, pouring over the Scriptures, studying them together. Same thing ha- happens there. Uh, and in fact, the best part about studying with other people is that it teaches you mechanisms, ways of going deeper into the Word of God. So not just the idea, but it tr- teaches you uh, the way to find ideas, to mine ideas out of the Word of God. Um, you don't know how to do that very well. You need other people to show you how to do it. Uh, and then last of all, um, you know, this is all the studies that we're seeing, people are starting to, to, to realize that we may be, our generation may be the most, in terms of America, U.S., we may be the most illiterate generation in the history of our country as it relates to the Word of God. We probably are. I can probably say that. People don't understand and have not heard and not been exposed to the actual Word of God. Increasingly, because of the church and the philosophy and the doctrines of the church, what they're hearing from the church is ideas. Okay, They are not hearing the Word of God. Okay, when we talk about publicly speaking and reading and engaging in the Word of God, I, want, I just want to implore you, I want to beg you to be creative about sharing the actual Word of God with people that don't know Jesus Christ. Okay? We know that it's, the Word of God is really sharp, like a two-edged sword, then it can pierce into the soul. And then when God sends out its word, it accomplishes the thing for which it's sent out. We also know that unless there's a preacher, people don't hear the word of God. So the last piece of this public reading and hearing of the word of God is we need to be doing it to people that don't know God. They need to be hearing just the simple, pure word of God. Amen? All right, that's it. Four principles that hopefully are helpful for you. Uh, See if I can even remember them. Um, The first one being we need to understand. The second one is we need to apply it to God's creation. The third one is we need to be trained in it. The last one is we need to speak it out loud. Okay? 
We didn't even get to 2 Timothy, which is even better. Maybe Tom will do that next time. Um, amen? Um, all right. Uh, we got about five minutes here, um, ten minutes. What did that stir up inside of you? Any thoughts about the Word of God? Any encouragements or challenges uh, to the other men of God in this room about the Word of God? I appreciate what you shared this morning, Matt. One thing I had, you know, that last one, speak out loud, probably didn't mean as much to me, but as you're talking about it, you know, one of the points you made about speaking the Word out loud, the one that resonates with me and really brings that verse to life is the unity portion of it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we know that the enemy wants to come in and he'll pull you as far away from God as he can, but if he can't pull you very far, he wants to at least make what you're doing unproductive. Yeah. So how can you make a bunch of men that want to study the word unproductive? Well, even if they're in the same scripture, get them all in their own little places, yeah. in their own little things. Yeah, they're they're getting to know God, but at least I'll try to make it as disunified as possible yep. so they're in a million little places. And coming together and speaking that like cuts that part out, brings everybody on one page, because God wants unity, and the devil wants disunity. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about that as a way in which you can guard against everybody being their own little places. Mm-hmm. Speak it out loud. Everybody has to get on the same page when we say amen. Amen. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Just to illustrate that, next year we're going to have a group of guys teaching through Ephesians. And our pastor, Billy, is going to get us all together, the, all of the teachers of that together, and we're going to study it together so that we're accomplishing just what you said. Yeah. Good. All right. Any other? Yeah. Comment about if you're in the midst of a conflict, the situation between you and Matt, when you said something that was counter-context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And it says, you know, brethren, if everyone being overtaken in a fault, mm-hmm. let those of you who are spiritual restore that person in the spirit of weakness. Yeah. And I, there's a little bit more about just for the sake of time. You know, I think that the key there is, first of all, the fall is not a sin. The word there is not the word for sin. Mm-hmm. It's just to go off the path. Okay. Yeah. It's important to understand that, that it's not a sin. It's not necessarily something that that you know they're doing wrong and they're obviously doing it and, and it's something that you know God frowns on. And the other point that I want to make about it is the idea of restoration, mm-hmm. which is to bring the person back on the path. It's not to show that you're smarter than they are and you have a better understanding yeah. of scripture than they do. You know, I've seen sometimes what I call, you know, almost like, you know, biblical crossfire. Yeah. You know, there was a show on television that probably most of y'all have never seen. It was a long time ago. It was called Crossfire. And there was a conservative and a, a liberal, and they fought about stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get into these situations where there's biblical crossfire, where we start arguing back and forth about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the attitude there is not a restoration. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to encourage people, you know, and, and yeah. this is ethical beyond what we're talking about today, but yeah. encourage people that the idea 
Because if you're sitting in a conversation and somebody's gone off the path, is restoration. And, yeah. and, and to go in the spirit of meekness. Yeah. And, and, you know, with the idea that you're trying to help this guy out. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, think about that, that, that example it illustrates what you're saying. When I was, whatever that was, 23, 24, I had no concept, no desire, honestly, to be an elder. No desire to do that. At that point, I enjoyed the freedom of showing up at UCF meetings on Thursday night, having a spirit-filled time, having a blast, and just being able to share whatever I felt like sharing. I didn't know at the time that in 20 years or, yeah, 20 years, I would be an elder in this church. And one of the requirements to be an elder would be able to teach the Word of God. I didn't know all that was going on inside of me. But uh, I had a faithful brother that taught me a lesson in that situation that I probably carried with me. Like when I get up in front of people, I'm a little more cautious about what I share about the Word of God. Uh, because I had that experience. And so that really equipped me to kind of become who God uh, wanted me to become. So, But it was about restoration. It was about right. training. It was about building up a brother, not about... Uh, Matt was not really trying to prove some liturgical, doctrinal point in that moment. <laughs> yeah. But I'm teaching him about the gifts, and he is growing in them too. <laughs> Other thoughts? Dan. Something, something that goes along with what you're talking about that was convicting me in our time through First Timothy was a little bit before we started in uh, verse 4 where it says, neither give heed to fables and those genealogies which are to questions rather than edifying which is of faith. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of a good faith. Mm-hmm. It just convicted me of I should be coming to the word of God expecting and desiring that will build up my faith, mm-hmm. not just something to chew on or like yeah. you know something that I like bring to home group and just like make it look like I studied that week yeah. and then I forget about it and it doesn't. That's just like something I got that's stimulating. You know? oh, that's good. Um, that's very good. Yeah, I think just emphasize the sharpening a lot of what you said. Just like different. It's yeah. right there. It's right before it too. Same. Thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. That's good. This goes along with the first point about um, confident assertions. <laughs> is I, I I've looked back like at when I was in high school, and I feel like that was really when I I don't know, I guess started taking my faith more seriously, like on my own. Mm-hmm. And that was a time of like a ton of learning and very I, I don't know, I was very spirited about mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And I look back on that, and I think sometimes like. From the outside, it seems like my faith was stronger in ways back then. Mm-hmm. But when I really think about like the things that I considered and talked about, a lot of it was very youthful. Like, not there wasn't mm. much understanding. There was intensity, yeah. Yeah. but that doesn't necessarily translate to like passion in a good way that we should have. Yeah. The word. And so, yeah. like, even though if you were to look at me when I was like eighteen, nineteen, versus me now, you might think like, "Wow, he's a lot less passionate about." God and his walk with God. I think what it really is is like there's just been a growth of humility and like yeah. understanding that everything that I think and read is not 
it's not necessarily like what I'm always going to yeah. think and read. So I don't need to tell everybody everything that I think. Or yeah. Why I disagree with them because yeah. um, it's, it's, it's a journey, you know, it's not just, yeah. uh, you know, we're not, we shouldn't be like static necessarily in everything. Like there's some things, you know, you're going to learn and stick with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. But especially when you're young. Um, yes. I think it's easy to feel like, all right, I got it figured out now. Like I really understand this whole God thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah. That's why the verse, rightly dividing the word of truth, that's, that's the goal. God has created that capacity within us. Rodney. Whenever we're going to finish, I was just thinking, we pray for the people on the way to Mexico or whatever. Yeah. On yep. Let's do it now. Unless anybody, anybody else, quick thought on anything else? All right. Uh, let's pray. Hey, I'll Bill. Amen, Bill. Just read it. Yeah. It's its own commentary. Yeah. It has its own cross-referencing. It, it's the Word of God. And, it, and those of you at homeschool, read history. Read the Constitution. Read the Declaration of Independence out loud to your children. Read the primary documents of, yeah. of our founding. Read the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. Don't read about Benjamin Franklin. Read what Benjamin Franklin wrote. Yeah. About himself. Read, if you want to study the Civil War, read Robert E. Lee's journal. Yeah. You'll get, go to the primary source documents to get your knowledge. Everybody has an opinion. Mm-hmm. If you read it, you read it to your children, you will know, you will know history yeah. by reading the documents of history. And then it's important to, to, to reduce it to the primary document, which is scripture. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Well, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go on, but um, along with what Rodney said about um, Franklin, what going down to Mexico, let's put into practice what your dad said two weeks ago. Let's pray for our leaders before we go. Okay.